Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Mike with the Aliante Community Baptist Church. We invite you, your family, and friends to join us as we study God's Word. So, let's begin. study in the book of Matthew, chapter 24. Chapter 24. And we've been looking at uh, the Lord's response to the disciples, uh, to their question regarding the end of the age and the coming of the Son of God. And uh, we mentioned that we're going to be in these uh, chapters, chapter 24 and 25, for quite some time because there's a tremendous amount of information uh, in, these, in these two chapters. And then we also have to look at various other passages within the Bible to, uh, to get the, uh, the whole picture, so to speak. And so we're going to be looking at uh, Matthew 24, beginning at verse uh, 15. So let's begin reading there. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. 
Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be great tribulation, such has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. Therefore, if they say to you, look, he is in the desert, do not go out. Or look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For wherever the carcass is, there the eagles will be gathered together. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with the great sound of a trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Let's pray, please. Our Lord, as we study your holy word, your teaching, we pray that you be our teacher through God the Holy Spirit. Enable us, O Lord, to understand your truth. Help us, O Lord, to understand the urgency of sharing the gospel message and of recognizing the time in which we live, that with each passing day we come one day closer to your return. Help us, O Lord, to be courageous enough to carry your truth and your word and to share it with lost people. Father, as we study your word today and as we look throughout your word, we're reminded again of your love and your grace and the truth that you have provided for us the means, the way of escape. And that's found only in the Lord Jesus. And so we pray for anyone here today who has not given their heart to you, Lord, as Lord and Savior, that today they will come to know you. In Jesus' name, amen. And so as we've looked in the last couple of weeks, the disciples had some questions. They wanted to know when these things were going to, to occur. And so Jesus identifies some things that are going to come. And, and we left off last time looking at the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem. Jesus uh, had been with his disciples and they had been in the temple and, and he was uh, teaching and also answering questions. And then he asked a question of the of the religious leaders and they were unable to answer him 
But the disciples were really enamored with the temple, the temple complex and the beauty of, of the temple. And in our lesson in Sunday school today, studying the book of Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah, one of the things that God held the people accountable for was that they lost sight of the importance of worshiping God, of having a relationship with Him, of being enamored with Him instead of being enamored with a building. And false worship. Because at the, at the same time that they were so-called going into worship the Lord, they were also worshiping false gods and false idols, Baal. And they were giving up their children to be birthed. You see, child sacrifice and, and abortion isn't anything I like what Roger said. With all of the advances in technology, yet the heart of the human race is still the same. And so the, the Lord Jesus, he tells the disciples that these beautiful buildings of the temple are going to be destroyed. And they're, you know, they're perplexed by that. They're confused because they're thinking, my goodness, they're still working on the temple. They're still working on it. It took several decades. As a matter of fact, Herod died before the, before the temple was through being built. And its completion didn't come until 64 AD. Then, six years later, the Romans came in and destroyed it. Just as Jesus said was going to happen, they overran Jerusalem, they destroyed it, and they destroyed the temple. And you see, that was a foreshadow of what is to come in the future. But Jesus spoke of the abomination of desolation. So what in the world does that mean? Well, many years ago, as a matter of fact, in 167 BC, a ruler by the name of Antiochus Epiphanes. He was a Syrian Greek ruler that had basically inherited through the decades one portion of the kingdom that belonged to Alexander the Great. And now the book of Daniel is, is an amazing book because over in the book of Daniel, you'll recall that Nebuchadnezzar one night had a dream. And in this dream, he saw this statue made up of all these different uh, materials. And the Lord gave Daniel the interpretation of that statue. It represented the Babylonians at the head, then followed by the Medes and the Persians, and then followed by the Greeks, and then followed by the Romans, and then eventually down to the, to the feet, you see, with the ten toes, referring to a future kingdom that would have ten various nations in Europe. Because the Antichrist will be coming from Europe. But backing up, in 167 AD, Antiochus Epiphanes 
went into Jerusalem. And what he did there was to go into the temple. They slaughtered the Jewish people. Went into the temple and then desecrated the temple and referred to himself as a deity and slaughtered a pig on, on the, there in, in the temple and then forced the priests to eat the pig's flesh which was unholy and they were forbidden to do. That was a precursor of what is to come in the future. And that is what Jesus is referring to. Now, moving on. Israel and the church. You need to understand that the church is the church and Israel is Israel. And the church does not replace Israel. Many years ago, some scholars came up with this uh, theology called replacement theology, that the church replaces Israel. That is not correct. And for years they would preach that, well, God was through with Israel. I guess they never read the 10th and the 11th chapter in the book of Romans. Because the Apostle Paul preached under the inspiration of God the Holy Spirit that Israel will be saved. But they also went on to say that all of the blessings, you know, that God promised to Israel have now been given to the church. But what about some of the curses? No. <laughs> the church has not replaced Israel. Israel is Israel and the church is the church. But here's the interesting thing is that the church is made up of both Gentiles and Jews. However, remember that the church in its infancy was made up primarily of Jewish people. The apostles, basically, their ministry was to the Jewish nation. It was the apostle Paul who was ordained specifically by the Lord Jesus as an apostle to the Gentiles. And so he went forth planting churches among the Gentile people. And we've been studying that over at uh, Vista Park uh, during our evening services. But God made a promise to Abraham over in the book of Genesis that through Abraham all of the nations of the world would be blessed. That we would be blessed as a result of his seed, referring to his offspring, and that offspring that seed is the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember that our Savior is Jewish. And Christianity is a Jewish religion. If you want to call it a religion, folks will say, what? I thought it was an American religion. No. <coughs> Long before America ever existed in the sense of a nation, of course, the land was here. But Christianity began in Jerusalem, Israel, born on the day of Pentecost, when God the Holy Spirit came down and indwelt the disciples. And they began to speak, the Bible says, 
in other tongues, that is, they spoke in other languages. And there were all these people from all these different countries and areas there because they were there to celebrate the Jewish festival of Pentecost. And we ask most Pentecostals, they can't tell you that. They don't even understand that. It was a Jewish festival on the day of Pentecost. But all these people heard the disciples speaking in their language, languages that the apostles had never spoken before or had ever learned. But God enabled them to speak in those languages. They said, the glorious things of God. Well, notice here in this third subpoint, the future temple in Jerusalem. The Bible teaches that eventually the nation of Israel will build another temple. Now we, people wonder, well, how in the world? Because the Arabs control that, that one little section. And there's all kinds of controversy. Well, do we even really know where the, the ancient temple you know, was, was uh, positioned, located? Well, the important thing is the temple is going to be built. You say, well, how do you, how do you know that? So we want you to see it in the scripture and we'll, we'll make a point. So turn to 2 Thessalonians there. 2 Thessalonians. So that you can read it for yourself. 2 Thessalonians. Chapter 2. You see, for the abomination of desolation to occur, there has to be a temple. You follow? That means there has to be a future temple because the temple that existed during Jesus' time was destroyed in 70 AD. But he, he talks about the abomination of desolation coming in the future. It's a future event. Now notice, in chapter 2 of 2 Thessalonians, beginning at verse 1, Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, or as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the man of sin, the man of sin, there are several synonymous titles given to the Antichrist, the beast, or the man of sin. That is who he is referring to here. Unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God, now notice this, in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So how can the Antichrist do this if there's no temple? You follow? So right there, the implication is, is that there will be a physical temple built in Jerusalem in the future. 
And I've shared with you before that over in Jerusalem, they've actually, they, they have a, a, a temple department, if you will, where they're preparing their priests and the various pieces of furniture and equipment and all that is supposed to be utilized in the temple. They, they have plans to build a temple. And that will occur. As a matter of fact, the fact that Israel is there is why we believe we are in the latter days. You can also read about the Antichrist, the beast, in Revelation chapter 13. Notice, as we go back to Matthew, because people get this mixed up, that Jesus, in speaking to the disciples, is also speaking to the Jewish people who will be living in that time. Verse 16, he says, Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Those who are in Judea. And the elect in this passage that he's referring to are to the Jewish elect. As many people get this mixed up and, and think that he's speaking to the church here. He's, he's speaking to the church and to the Jewish people but you see, when this occurs, the church will not be on the earth. So let's move on to the next point here. Very important. Prior to the abomination of desolation, prior to the tribulation that comes upon the earth, Prior to the great tribulation that the Lord Jesus is referring to here, the church will be removed out of the world. That is referred to as the rapture. Now notice what I have here in subpoint A, pre, mid, and post. Because there are Christian groups who believe that the church will be taken out before the tribulation. That the church will be taken out out before the tribulation. That's pre-trib. And that's what I am. I believe in the pre-tribulation of the church. But then there are some who are mid-trib. They believe that the church will be taken out halfway through, three and a half years into the tribulation. That's when the rapture will occur. And then there are some others who believe that the church will go through the tribulation because they, they believe that the Lord is speaking to the church here in this particular passage in, in uh, Matthew 24. So they're referred to as post-trip. Post-trip. But let me call your attention quickly uh, to verse 36 in uh, Matthew 24. So, verse 36. Notice what Jesus says here. But of that day and hour, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. So we don't know when it's going to occur. We just know that it's going to occur in the future. And if anyone tells you that they know the day, you need to walk away. Just walk away. Pray for them, but walk away. 
But notice what he says here. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. You notice that God's people were taken out and into safety first before the wrath of God came upon the earth. Before the wrath of God came upon the unbelievers, God placed his people into the ark of safety. And who is our ark? Jesus is our ark. Now, let's turn to uh, the book of Thessalonians chapter uh, 4. 1 Thessalonians, excuse me. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And beginning at verse 13. Now the, the Christians in the city of Thessaloniki, they refer to it over in Greece, thought that the day of the Lord had already come, that is that the Lord's return had already occurred, and they'd missed it. And so Paul writes to them to clear up any confusion. Notice what he says here. Verse 13. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren. Now we've used that word a few times ourselves. <laughs> In the United States of America, sadly, we have many ignorant people. And in our churches, we have many Christians who are ignorant of what is coming. And sadly, their children are ignorant as well. Now, what does that word ignorant mean? It means uninformed, or ill-informed, or wrongly informed. And we have a lot of that going on right now, especially if you look at what's going on throughout the country. But notice... I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. Sleep is a euphemism. That's a, a, a word to soften the fact that they're dead. But remember, it's their physical body that's dead. Their soul is alive because the, uh, the, the Bible says... To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. The Christian never dies. The Christian lives forever. Our soul goes to be with the Lord, but this body, this temporal body, cannot inherit eternal life. Why? Because it's corrupt. The scripture says this body must die. So it must go into the ground or the sea or be eaten by a shark, or whatever the case might be, or consumed by fire. This body <clears throat> decays, but the soul goes back to be with the Lord. But in that day that we refer to as the rapture, something miraculous will happen. Wherever, wherever a person has been buried, Somehow, God is going to resurrect that body and it is going to be transformed into a glorious body. And the soul in that body will be reunited. You say, what? The Bible teaches that we're going to be like Christ. 
When Jesus arose, did he have a different body? Yes and no. I'm not talking out of both sides of my mouth. Okay? The body was different. He said to the disciples, it is I. I'm not a ghost. I have a body, flesh and bone. Notice he didn't say blood. And it was, it was Jesus. And he said, here Thomas, remember what Thomas, Thomas said, unless I see the holes in, the, right, in, the, in his hands and in his feet and his side, etc. So was the body the same body? You follow? And we're going to be like him, are we not? But it was a glorified body, not limited to how this body is living. God is going to transform this body into a body that is no longer subject to all of the things that we're subject to here. And so he's, he's telling them, don't sorrow like those who have no hope. Now, for this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. You notice that? Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up. That's the word, caught up. In the Greek, it's harpazo. But in the Latin, rapturis. That's where we get the English word rapture. It's the idea of being caught up violently, actually. In the, in the twinkling of an eye, this happens. The voice speaks, and boom, it occurs. Just like that. He says, Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. Now there are those who want you to believe that the church will go through the tribulation. I don't believe that. Over in the book of Revelation, the letter to the sixth church, the church of Philadelphia, the church of brotherly love, because they loved the Lord. The Lord gave them an open door to proclaim the gospel. And have we not in this age had the open door? We've been preaching the gospel through every possible means. He also says that he will keep that church from the hour of temptation that comes upon the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. But now notice, as we continue reading here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning at verse 1, but concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them, as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You notice that? God makes a distinction between those who believe in him and those who do not. As a matter of fact, over in Deuteronomy, the Lord, speaking through Moses, in uh, chapter 29 and verse 29, says the secret things of the Lord are revealed by God to those who love him, to his children. You see, the world refuses 
refuses to receive God's truth. But God's children, who do in fact believe in Him and trust in Him, in Him, God reveals. God reveals. And notice, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. Now notice right here. For God did not appoint us to wrath. We are not appointed to God's wrath. The tribulation period is a time of wrath that God brings upon the world. God deals with his children and with those who are unbelievers differently. And don't believe this lie that they want you to believe that we're all God's children. No, we are not. You know someone who likes to peddle that? Oprah Winfrey. Well, Oprah Winfrey is not a pastor. She's not a preacher. Oh, she's a successful billionaire businesswoman, etc., etc. But I tell you what, some of the people that she hangs out with belong to cults and teach heresies and lead people down the wrong path, especially those who preach the gospel of prosperity. What do you do with what Jesus said? The poor you will always have with you. It is not about prosperity. It is about holiness. It is about worshiping God. It is about humility and humbly serving Christ. Notice, he goes on. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another, just as you also are doing. So let me ask you this. Is it very comforting to you, or would it be very comforting to you, to know that you're going to be going through the tribulation and you might get your head cut off for being a Christian. Is that a very comforting thing? <laughs> How is it that you're supposed to comfort someone and say, well, you know, they're going to come for you, brother. And they're probably going to beat you. Now they might crucify you too. That's not a very comforting thought. This idea that you're supposed to comfort one another with these words. He's talking about the rapture of the church. Now notice, tribulation in general terms. Now what do we mean by that? Well, over in John 16, 33, you remember what Jesus told the disciples? In the world you will have what? But be of good cheer because he has overcome the world. What's he referring to? Yes, there's coming tribulation and persecution and difficulty, and challenge, and disappointment, and all of these things that we experience as a part of, of human existence, and especially when you're a Christian, you are dealt with differently. People poke fun at you. People criticize you. 
People call you a name because they think, they think there's something wrong with you. They, they accuse you of being all kinds of things because you're a Christian, because you believe in the Bible. Do you know that there are groups out there now, and I think we may have mentioned this before, they say that the Bible teaches white supremacy and discrimination and is a very misogynistic book because it places the man before the woman. Well, guess what? God created Adam first before he created Eve. You have a problem with it, take it up with him and see how far you get. I've even had people say, well, why should I believe in a white Jesus? And I was trying to explain to the person, well, that was God's plan. That was God's plan. He had to choose someone. You follow? He chose the nation of Israel. He chose the Jewish people. But guess what? God loves all people. And as we mentioned earlier, God promised to Abraham that through his seed, all the nations of the world would be blessed. Or in other words, all of the nations are chosen by God. If you have a problem with it, take it up with him. And you see, it's so easy to go into the Muslim thing. This so-called religion of peace. Maybe you heard just this past week, over in Uganda, a group of Muslims went into a town, shot it all up, shot up this school. Then they went in. And any of the kids that they found alive, they hacked them to death with machetes and then set the place on fire. But see, you think CNN's going to tell you that? No? Do you think the former President Obama's going to tell you that? No? But they want you to believe it's a religion of peace. No, it's not. It's a religion born right in the pit of hell itself. Because every other religion, other than the religion that teaches the Lord, is a false religion born of the devil himself because he's a murderer and he's a liar. That's what Jesus said he is from the beginning. And you preach it and you share it and you teach it to people. And when you stand up and you say that, what are they going to call you? They're going to call you all kinds of names. But as Christians, we are to proclaim and to preach and to teach the truth. And they want to equate Mohammed with Christ? No. No. Absolutely not. He was a false prophet. A false prophet. The Great Tribulation is coming. It's referred to in the book of Daniel as the 70th week. And we don't have time to really go into that. Maybe uh, during a, a, a portion of Wednesday uh, Bible studies we'll, we'll look at that. 
But you see, God gave to Daniel the events that were going to occur in the future, just like he, he told them about the kingdoms, the Babylonians being replaced by the Medes and the Persians, them being conquered by the Greeks, and then the Greek uh, uh, kingdom being divided up into four various uh, sections, four generals, and then eventually won this Antiochus Epiphanes who, of Syria and, and, Greek, and Greece, and then Greece being conquered by the Romans, and then eventually the Romans just, they fell from within. But then those ten toes, those two feet, in the, in the end times, in the latter days, coming back into power. Into power. It's also referred to by Jeremiah as Jacob's trouble. Jacob's trouble. Well, we have so much more to look at. But let's just look at this next point, number three, Israel's future. And you notice, again, in verse 16 in chapter 24, but the Lord says, Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Why Judea? Because it's happening there in Israel. You see, the church is raptured out of the world. That signals the, the oncoming of the tribulation. The church is delivered from the wrath of God that's going to be poured out upon the world. It's a seven-year period. But within that seven-year period, this man of sin, the Antichrist, this world ruler. Imagine the kind of confusion that is going to occur when the church is taken out of the world. And of course, the unbelievers are going to try to explain it away. Aliens abducted them. Aliens. You see, all those UFO sightings really were true. The aliens have abducted them. Mm. But notice, Israel in the Gospel. Zechariah, in the book of Zechariah. And we'll have to look at this next week. But the Bible teaches that Israel is actually going to turn to the Lord. Let, let's uh, turn there and then we'll, we'll, we'll bring this to a close. All right, Zechariah is just before Malachi. And if you don't know where Malachi is, well, Malachi is just before Matthew. <laughs> so go in your Bibles to the left, all right, to the Old, the Old Testament. And notice this. Now, this is Zechariah the prophet, right? An Old Testament prophet, a Jewish prophet. The Lord speaking to his people through Zechariah. Verse 10, chapter 12, verse 10. And I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. And remember that we've mentioned God has always saved by grace. Then they will look on me, notice that, whom they pierced. Now let that sink in. They will look on me, the Lord is speaking, whom they pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him 
as one mourns for his only son. You hear that? And grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn. You see how that, that language all refers to the Lord Jesus? In that day there shall be a great mourning in Jerusalem, like the mourning of Hadad Rimmon in the plain of Megiddo. And the land shall mourn every family by itself, the family of the house of David by itself, and their wives by themselves, the family of the house of Nathan by itself, and their wives by themselves, the family of the house of Levi by itself, and their wives by themselves, the family of Shemiel by itself, and their wives by themselves, all the families that remain, every family by itself, and their wives by themselves. What is he talking about here? There's going to come a tremendous morning in Jerusalem, in all of Israel. Why? Because their eyes are going to be open and they're going to recognize that Jesus is, in fact, the Messiah. Then they will look upon me, the Lord says, whom they pierced. And they will mourn as one mourns for his only son, his firstborn. All of those refer to the Lord Jesus. The firstborn, the Holy Son of God. They're going to weep because they're going to realize that gospel message of Jesus was true. But the Bible also teaches that they're going to be saved. They're going to turn to the Lord. And how that occurs, you'll have to come back next week. <laughs> so, we're going to sing a hymn of invitation. Maybe you're here today and you've never received Jesus as your Savior. We pray that you will come to know him as Lord. We don't know when he's coming back, but we know that we're one day closer today than we were yesterday. And if the Lord tarries, tomorrow will be one day closer than today. But he's coming. He is coming. Be ready. Let's stand to our feet, please. And let's see, Jesus paid it over. We pray that you have been blessed by today's lessons from God's Word. And we invite you to contact us with any questions that you may have, especially questions regarding your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to help you with your walk of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and with your understanding of His Holy Word, the Bible. Our contact information is listed in the podcast show notes. May God richly bless you.